listening to Raising HSE, a podcast designed for parents with students in Hamilton Southeastern schools. Each episode, you'll hear from different staff and teachers, and they'll share with you helpful tips, information that your student can use, and a few parenting hacks, because together we're Raising HSE. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Brooke Lawson, the Mental Health and School Counseling Coordinator, and I'm fortunate enough to be hosting a multi-part series with Allison Edwards. If you missed our first few episodes with Allison, just a refresher, she's a child psychotherapist, best-selling author, and national touring speaker. Allison, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. I, I have a feeling that this session is one that a lot of parents um, might be interested in hearing about. So we're going to be talking about um, social media and anxiety today. Um, and so I guess, you know, I'm a parent myself, and while I have young children, and um, I don't know if I'll ever let them <laughs> get on social media, I say that, but I know I will have to at some point. I'm just really interested um, kind of in your your thoughts and um, you know your experience as a therapist with children and social media. Yes, this is definitely one of the most common uh, questions I get, and I will say that um, it's very difficult. This is a very difficult um, uh, situation, I think, with kids. And I'll just kind of start by saying that that social media is probably not going anywhere. And I know that. Um, you know, we all want it to go away, and I, I want it to go away. I'm very anxious about social media myself. Um, I never liked, um, I've never liked it. Uh, it. It very much uh, affects my mood, and I think it does for a lot of kids mm-hmm. and people. Um, but it's the way that people connect. And so my approach with social media is is one of teaching kids how to manage it, not being reactive and taking it away and then giving it back and so a lot of parents have approaches about this and you know there's a lot of that's been taught in trainings but what I've learned from working with kids is that you know social media is something that they are going to use and they they need to connect with other kids and um, it's you know now if you want to go to college and you want a roommate you have to be on a Facebook group it's just that's just what what happens. I mean, everyone's using social media, but also, you know, how to manage it and helping kids understand how they feel about it. And I work with a number of kids who tell me that, you know, when I go to summer camp and I can't have my phone, when I get out of summer camp, I don't want it back. Mm-hmm. Like I really mm-hmm. don't. And they also say to me things like, you know, I wish like I didn't have to have Snapchat to talk to my friends. I wish they would just text. So I think a lot of times we hear, can I have my phone back? I need my phone. Can I get Instagram? When can I get Snapchat? I mean, these kids are constantly asking the question, when can I get a phone? And it's really not a phone they want. They want a mini computer for those parents out there who are get that question, just buy your child a flip phone. I mean, if they want a phone, that's a phone. A flip phone is a phone. <laughs> yeah. A, a, an iPhone is a computer. So you think about it, <laughs> think about it that way. Um, but I will say that because of this, when you look at anxiety and mental health, so from 2010 to 2015, anxiety increased 50% among teenagers. And what we look at, what was the difference? And the difference was smartphones. Mm-hmm. And so when you looked at how many kids had smartphones. It was amazing when you looked at, you know, 
it's like 90% of kids have smartphones and connect that way. So we're looking at across the board, anxiety has increased. Um, UCLA did a study in 2016 and they brought in teenagers and they took control of their Instagram accounts and they put electrodes on their brains and they had, um, they would go through and randomly like, they had them submit photos and they would go through and randomly like the photos. And what they found is that certain parts of their brain lit up when they got a like. Mm -hmm. And those same parts of the brain light up when you do cocaine and when you gamble. So it's, wow. it's the dopamine hit that you get from a like on Instagram. And what I think is so fascinating is, is that this makes sense to why kids act the way they do. We know that addictive behavior is very hard to change and this social media is addictive and it's set out to be addictive and that's why it's so popular. The people creating this stuff, they know exactly what they're doing. Mm -hmm. That it works and that it's not gonna go away. And so I think when I tell kids this, they're, they're always like, oh, wow. So it's actually my brain. This is not a choice to, you know, when you when you take a phone from a kid, they it's it is a it is a withdrawal is what it is. And when you take a phone from a kid and you watch them throw a fit and roll around on the floor, a teenager, and you're like, what is happening? It is like taking a drug away from an addict. Mm -hmm. And I think when we see it that way, we go, oh, this makes sense. And you know, some parents say, well, I'm never going to give my child social media. They're going to have to be a, an adult, right? You can do that. I don't recommend it because when they turn 18, they're going to have missed a lot of, of teenage years, and then they can't manage it either. So what I do is, is I think from, from a parent's perspective, is try to educate yourself on really what this does to the brain and then also help kids manage it with empathy and not... A lot of times, if you think of this from like a drug, you would say, okay, here are all the drugs, which means you can have your phone whenever you want it, but if you mess up with your phone, I'm gonna take that away. And then you take it all away and a child has withdrawal, and then after about two days, usually they're better. If you take a phone away from a kid, two days later, they're actually happier and more regulated. Mm -hmm. You give it back and then you get the same behavior again. It's better to say, okay, let's monitor that. So there are some apps that you can use that are great. One is called Unglue, one is called Moment. And what it does is it gives them a certain amount of time every day to use technology. And that could be YouTube, that could be video games, that could be whatever they're doing. But then they have to manage how they use those minutes. Mm -hmm. And they learn, oh wow, I've spent 90, I've spent 59 minutes on YouTube watching cat videos and now I need to talk to a friend about a homework assignment I only have one minute left mm -hmm. that's a lesson um, so teaching them how to manage it and I think we all need to manage it I when I look at myself too and I sit down in a waiting room at a doctor's office the first thing I do is get on my phone mm -hmm. do I do it mm -hmm. too because there's always something there I don't have to deal with an uncomfortable moment I don't have to deal with wow, I wonder if there's a magazine over there. It's immediate. And because of that, um, I it's easy. And so I encourage you to model use of your phone. And this is so interesting. I work with kids who will say, my parents are always on the phone. Mm -hmm. And we are. <laughs> so yeah. um, I'll hear kids say like, well, my, my parent comes home. One kid said to me last week, my dad comes home and 
he has a stressful job, so he sits at, in the couch and, and gets on Facebook all night. And I just laughed. I was like, really? That's what your dad does? He's like, yeah, he just, that's the way he decompresses. So if you're going to decompress by being on your phone, your child is going to decompress by being on their phone. Yeah. If you decompress by reading a book, chances are your child will read a book. Mm-hmm. If you decompress by going for a walk, that's what your child learns. So if you're on your phone checking your email, your social media all the time, you're modeling that that's how you relax or deal with moments of you could be doing something else. So mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's a huge issue, but I want to say that the hard lines around this is, is not the answer. Hard lines, you're not going to get a phone until you're 12. At 13, you get Instagram, and then just letting them go is not helpful. Mm-hmm. It's helpful to really say, okay, let's talk about how much time you're going to need. Let's put some sort of control. You can choose that time. And then oftentimes kids will say, I don't want it. I don't want my phone. Take mm-hmm. it from me. And I think that's something that they need to experience themselves. Natural consequences are really important here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you should let them, oh, well, you know, you're out of minutes. You, you've used all your minutes. I'm sorry. You know, that's mm-hmm. what happens. Mm-hmm. Um uh, also, you know, they need to learn, you know, what you put out there for you text and you it stays out there. And so it's so important to teach them, like, yeah. you know, especially when you look at, at emotions, you know, people can say things on online that they'll never say to your face. And so it's important to think about, you know, your kids are going to hear things that no one would ever say to their face and that could be very cruel. And if they give it back, you know, then they've gotten themselves into to trouble because now you can't take that away. So I, I'm so glad I didn't have this as a kid. Oh, me too. I'm so <laughs> glad that that was not an issue. And I know it's something that, you know, <laughs> another thing our kids have to deal with, but it is very difficult. I, I want to just tell you, it's really hard. Yeah, I can, I agree with you. I'm so glad that this wasn't around when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, you know, um, you talked about like, really teaching your kid the skills that they need to know and I'm wondering if you do have any recommendations there might be parents out there thinking like well what is the appropriate age Um, I mean I have a nine-year-old and he's already saying like when can I get a phone I was like when you're 16 like that's when I got a phone when I got to drive which I'm sure that that's probably not going to be the age that he gets a phone I know he's not getting one as a nine-year-old but like what is appropriate when it comes to ages of phones and and letting them have those social media accounts yeah I think most people do like a 13 you get a phone when you're 13 and and you might get one app Um, most parents you know make sure you have um, you know parental controls so they can't just find anything Um, I think YouTube is one of the it's what little kids are able to use because you can get on YouTube and look at cat videos and stuff but there's a whole world on YouTube um, that is is there and if you there's there's so much out there but i would say you know when you look at um it's really hard to be the only kid in class that doesn't have a phone Mm -hmm. that doesn't have social media um and so just being aware of that and again i i work with kids who are young who you know parents are divorced or or there's been some issue where they they needed to talk and they've had phones since they were nine and I don't think it's great, but they don't even care. There's no apps. I mean, there's right. just not much on it. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like 
think parents are afraid to give it too early or wait too late. But I think the bigger question is, you know, is your what's your child ready to handle? Yeah. And, you know, also, you know, setting some parameters around it. And also, you know, instead of just saying, you know, a lot of times phones are attached to grades phones are attached to behavior Mm -hmm. you you got you you were in a bad mood I'm taking your phone you yelled at somebody I'm taking your phone so there's a lot of times a lot of parents will say the only thing they care about is their phone it's the only (laughs) leverage I have right Mm -hmm. that is not if you can avoid that please do because it it's not it, it gives the phone too much power yeah, it's it's too much. Mm-hmm. If I'm taking your phone, you you were you know you're disrespectful. I'm taking your phone. The question is maybe a bigger question is you know what's going on with you? That why are you acting this way? And I think sometimes we don't want to go beneath the surface to really look at what's going on with our kids. We just quickly give a consequence. If a child's disrespectful and loses their phone for the rest of the day, the next day they get their phone. They've learned nothing about being disrespectful. They don't know why they were. Mm-hmm. They don't. They know you were mad, but they have no internal process. So to me, and I've always done this, recommended this with teenagers, is you don't you don't want to give with when kids are young, you can give sort of black and white consequences like if you don't clean your room, you're not going to get a you know to go play outside. But teenagers are so much smarter than we are. We never want to show our cards with a teenager. So you don't want to say to a teenager, if you don't get an A on, you know, if you don't get A's and B's, I'm taking your phone. Because then you give them all the power, right? You you want to be more savvy. And if a kid comes home with a C, you know, instead of saying, okay, give me your phone, you're just trying to figure out, so what's going on in that class? Like, and you want to have a, a different approach where you're curious about what happened. Um, also, sometimes you know the phone physically does nothing without service and so a lot of times parents it's like leave the phone in the room just cut the service Mm -hmm. and kids are like whoa and so that's smarter than the power struggle over the phone so Mm -hmm. being really savvy and thinking and slowing down is important like you know a lot of times you take the phone away and the and there's this you know screaming yelling match for 24 hours and then you know, you're like, well, I said I'd give it back. And it, it just becomes too big of a deal that the reality is, is that your kid is probably going to be addicted to the phone just as you are. Most people know where their phone is all the time. Mm-hmm. And how do we develop healthier perspectives on it for yeah. everyone in the family? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times parents will say no phones at dinner, yeah. which means yours got yours has got to be off, too. Yeah. You can't have your phone ringing when you've just told everyone no phones. Mm-hmm. Um also just you know like i said the modeling if you're always flipping around your phone then they're going to think that's what you do when you have free time i um i loved that um when you were talking about the teenagers going away to camp and not having their phone and how good that feels every every year in january i try to just get off of all social media for the month and i notice for like the first week which is so bad like i'm i notice for the first week i just pick up my phone idly like i'm looking for something to do and then after that it's like oh my gosh, I read like four books this month and I like did all this stuff that is so healthy. And and then you lose that like need for for social media. So I think that is such a good point and maybe something that families could consider. Like let's do a a fast together. Let's all Mm kind of try to break that habit. Yeah, I was I was listening on the way here, um, an audio book called Atomic Habits, which I think is a pretty fascinating book. But the, the question he asks is, what kind of person do you want to be? And that determines your habits. And I think that was a really good way of looking at it is, 
you know, what kind of parents do we want to be? And that is a hard question because we're probably like, whoa, like, <laughs> well, what happened last week? That is not the parent I want to be. But I think that's a really good question. And, you know, do you want to be the kind of parent that is on your phone a lot? Do you want to be the kind of parent or, or person that gets up and the first thing, um, the first one of the things he talked about was like getting up and most of us have our phones by our bed. And the first thing we do before we even get out of bed is open it up and look at email, social media, or news. And is that the person you want to be? Well, no, because there's no space for you. So I talking to kids about that too, and just saying like, you know, if you wake up and you read all the messages that have come in through the night, like is, what's that going to do to your day? And, and it's interesting, kids will often blow you off, but it's a good question. A lot of them will come in, you know, to me and say, wow, it's kind of interesting. So you just want to be curious about it with them. Like, hey, this is this is a struggle for all of us. How can we, as you said, do it together? That's a that's a good good question. That whole like, what kind of parent do you want to be? I think even too as parents, and we've talked about kind of our own emotional intensity, right, and our own ability to regulate emotions. And I think it's so important too, like we all screw up. We're all going to make mistakes, and that ability to recognize. Mm-hmm in ourselves and even to say like I think I'm spending too much time on social media so I'm going to do this and I want to make sure that you know like this is the kind of person the kind of parent I want to be for you and I think that ability to recognize that in ourselves and apologize to our kids when we screw up is so powerful for them too. So powerful to say I'm sorry or I, I, mm-hmm. I didn't handle that well and that model is so important because then you're then kids instead of saying you know to our kids you need to say you're sorry because you hit your sister that's most kids will be like yeah whatever but when you apologize mm-hmm. most kids will tell you they don't forget that they will remember when you apologize and and say i'm sorry um and it shows yeah we're human and 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 also we're willing to admit mistakes yeah and that's helpful mm-hmm. well as we uh round this podcast up um, with talking about social media and anxiety, is there anything else that you feel like is important to share with parents? Yeah, I think it. I think um, it's just important to know that you know there are reasons why this is so challenging, and that you know um, don't be mad at your kid, be mad at the the company who created it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, this all this all is serving a, a purpose, which is. Um, uh, to you know the social media and it's it's all to make money and it's all to drive business and I think you know anytime we see a commercial for something and we're like wow well that was really savvy wow I want to go out and do that thing that wow I want that kind of car right that's that's all it is and what's more important and I, I really like the perspective of the connection with your child is more important than the consequence and Overall, the connection is what's going to matter in 10 years when your child calls you and says, hey, I have a problem. It's going to matter more whenever they're like, you know, I'm at a place I shouldn't be. Can you pick me up? That is more important than the consequence of if my parent finds this out, I'm in trouble. And so Mm -hmm. I would really encourage you to focus on connecting with your kids. You're not always going to do it right. It's not going to be perfect, but the connection will always be more valuable than any consequence you can give. I love that connection over consequence that's great well that wraps up our fourth um, part of this series featuring Allison Edwards be on the lookout as new episodes drop on our Raising HSE podcast in the coming weeks thanks for listening to this week's episode we have more great content planned for future podcasts make sure to subscribe 
so you never miss raising HSE.